Today there is a real sense of wonder about the readings on the second Sunday of Lent because they take us beyond a world of our own into what we might call a mystic realm. It begins right at the very beginning with the first reading, which is very dramatic and strange. Abraham is enacting a ritual by which the Lord is establishing a covenant with him. This covenant is accompanied by all sorts of mystical symbols. There's the mountain. It says the deep and terrifying darkness. The flaming torch, the smoking pot, the voice from heaven. All this symbolizes that Abraham is not just setting up a contract with a fellow human being, but rather entering into a covenant with an amazing and overwhelming figure of God. And then in the second reading, the same theme appears. We hear from St. Paul. Paul says that our citizenship is in heaven. He's telling the first Christians their citizenship is, is not here. And Paul over and over in many of his letters reminds his, his hearers that he's a Roman citizen. But it's good to be reminded where we really belong. You may be a citizen here, but it's not your true citizenship. Paul says, it is in heaven. Heaven is where we ultimately belong, where we truly belong. The church fathers often called heaven the fatherland. That is why we say when we die, we're going home. Paul says today that we await a Savior who will change our lowly body to conform our lowly body into a glorified body. One that's fitting for this heavenly home. So Paul is saying that the world we dwell in now, of course, is not the final reality. These readings are shaking us up, saying that there is more to life here than meets the eye. And this is setting us up for the beautiful gospel reading that we have today of the Transfiguration, which is the most mystical of all. It's filled with some of the same symbols of the first reading, the mountain, the darkness, the voice, the dazzling light, all that speak of a, a higher world that's breaking in. The mountain in the scriptures is always a symbol of the meeting together of the divine and the human. Darkness sometimes can be terrifying. We lose control in the darkness. Sometimes when we pray, we, we close our eyes so we can get rid of all the distractions, so we can become focused on God whom we hope to meet. And the voice, of course, is a symbol of God speaking. Going all the way back to the ancient covenant with Abraham in that first reading and Paul, we have these common mystic elements. It even go that God seems distant. Closeness with God is once again possible. That's why these are such good Lenten readings. God wants to be our companion. God could have overpowered us, but he didn't. God wants to draw close to us. This interplay of, of light and darkness, our being drawn into it, is something that 
is woven all through our lives. It's something we play a lot with. It's wonderfully woven in a best-selling book called All the Light We Cannot See by Anthony Doerr. It's been a bestseller for well over a year now, number one, going back and forth, number one, many weeks in a row. It's one of the very, very best books that I've read in years. It's a story of a young French girl, Marie Laurie Labanc, who's a blind 16 year old, being raised by her father and then sent away to her uncle. And a boy, Werner Feneg, who's an albino. The story is the unfolding of their two lives until they finally meet. Werner gets sent away to the Hitler youth training camp. He's a very gifted young man with radios, transmitters, signals. Paris is invaded, and, and so Marie is sent to live in the seaside city of Saint Malo to live with her great uncle for protection. And during the war, Werner's work is basically tracking down all these signals of the enemy so he can so they can find the enemy. And the fighters go in then. So he's working with all these, you might say, unseen realities, these, these radio waves. No one can see, but he finds them. Meanwhile, Marie Loray, who can't see, learns to navigate in this in the city that she lives in on the seacoast. Because her father built this, this model of the city, intricate model of the city, and she she with her fingers is able to, to learn very, very well, so she can then learn how to walk through the city in her blindness and navigate everywhere. She eventually becomes a part in that city of the French resistance. The Germans invaded this city as well. She would go to the bakery every day and embedded in the bread would be these coded messages, okay? And she would carry them back to her uncle who had this radio that would transmit these messages then to all of France. Very intriguing story. And so now this brings these two people together. The Germans knew something was going out of this city. So they call in the expert, Werner. So eventually, these two are drawn together. And they're separated at one time in the book only by a small panel. Because he's finding, he's finding where these signals are coming from. So we have this albino and this blind girl. And her name is Lebanc, which means the white one. So you begin to see how all this comes together. and connects to our gospel. The transfiguration, which is filled with light. And you know when we're looking at light, looking at light here this morning, we don't see all the light, do we? You see my purple vestment, which is only just a small, small portion, spectrum of the light. But what about all the light? What about all the light that we cannot see? The invisible world that draws us all together. That's what this novel is about. 
And that's what the gospel of the transfiguration is about too. That drew those disciples to Jesus. Really seeing Jesus for who he is. We say the creed in just a couple of moments. Our faith, our faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of things, what? Visible and invisible, we say. If our whole world revolves around just what we can see, all that diminishes so very, very quickly. Think about your life. Think about your life. You're strong and vibrant maybe when you're 20 or 30 years old. But that passes so quickly by the time you get to be 50, 70, or 80, if you're that long. But the visible just passes quickly. It really does. So the book, and indeed the gospel, is always about looking beyond all the light we cannot see. And that's what the apostles get a glimmer of today in the gospel, in Jesus, the light that they cannot see. The Tabor experience is certainly one to ponder on the journey to Jerusalem. It strengthened Jesus and the apostles for what lies ahead. For of course, what was right behind, right around the corner was the cross. The transfiguration teaches us that God's brilliant life also includes death. That's the same for all of us. That can be terrifying. It's an important gospel for our lives because we all have moments of darkness. But today we trust that Christ penetrates us with his radiant life and with the life of his spirit. This week, may we be countered amongst those who listen to God's word and whose lives may be transfigured by it. I'd like to close with a beautiful prayer by soon-to-be St. Teresa of Calcutta. Dear Jesus, help me to spread your fragrance wherever I go. Flood my soul with your spirit and life. Penetrate and possess my whole being so utterly that my life may be a radiance of yours. Shine through me and be so in me that every soul I come in contact with may feel your presence in my soul. Let them look up and see no longer me, but only Jesus. Stay with me and then I shall begin to shine as you shine so to shine as to be a light to others. The light, O Jesus, will be from you. None of it will be mine. It will be you shining on others through me. Let me thus praise you in the way you love best, by shining on those around me. Let me preach you without preaching, not by words, but by example by the catching force, the sympathetic, the sympathetic influence of what I do, the evident fullness of the love my heart bears to you. Amen.